We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. What's going on, everyone? This is episode 96 of BuzzBeat. I am Richie, and we'll be joined, as always, by Brian and Spencer. Just a reminder, BuzzBeat is a proud member of the Blue Wire Network. You can find our episodes on BlueWirePods.com, Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, it's also be awesome if you guys can give our podcast a rating and review on iTunes. On this episode, we'll be bringing on NBA writer and reporter for SB Nation, Christian Winfield. What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. And he wrote a piece on Kimball Walker about a month ago titled, Kimball Walker is Always the Surprise Star. So definitely give that a read. Uh, we'll be discussing that piece as well as everything Kimba. And uh, let the listeners know where they can find you online, your social media, and all that stuff. Sure. Um, SBNation.com slash NBA. These people paid me to to watch basketball and talk to people and write stories about what I what I see and what I hear. So uh, that's where you can find my work. I'm on Twitter. You can find me Christian Winfield with a K. Um, that's at Chris Splash K R I S P L A S H E D. Yeah, for the most part, that's where you can find me. Twitter, SBNation.com, and the occasional podcast like I'm here on here today. Very good. Well, so we're going to talk about your piece for a little bit and just talk about Kimba in general. This is very uh, timely because Kimba just went off in overtime against the Spurs and the Hornets picked up their uh, 35th win of the season. So in your piece, uh, Christian, you discuss how Kimba had a gradual rise in high school, a gradual rise in college, a gradual rise in the NBA. My first question to you is what about his play throughout his career has stood out to you the most? Just how he finds ways to continue to get better. This is the guy who in high school you, you would stand maybe five, six, seven feet away from him if he was at the three-point line, you know, and now he's, he's coming up shooting pull-up threes and he's, he's attempting almost any game, I feel like, and, and he's actually a threat from that. This is a guy, he's, he's kind of self-made, you know, when he first started playing basketball, he was just a lightning quick guard who would get by people. You know, he had a crazy crossover. He learned how to get a step back in college and he's just, He's 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 the he's kind of like the prototypical type of star. You know, he's a guy who, who loves his community, who tries to give back, 
You know, he's the guy, I think he's won the, the sportsmanship, what is it, three years in a row, two years in a row, however many times in a row. He's just like a, a really, really solid guy. And on top of that, he just continually finds ways to improve. He's a guy who you never hear anything negative about him. You know, you never hear him bad-mouthing anybody. He's a guy who's humble. Um, there's so many different things to like about Kemba Walker that you can't just pick out one. But if I had to, if I had to pick out just one thing, it's just how he's just turned himself into a star. He even said, he told me, not too long ago when I was speaking to him, when I was speaking to him for this story that he didn't expect his career to kind of traject the way it did. And that's just a testament to how much work he puts in in for in like in plain sight and behind the scenes. He's, it's, it's, it's a great story. And um, and he's just an incredible person. You can't be more happy for anyone. Exactly. We, we've talked about this on the podcast a lot. You know, in the first four years, uh, he averaged 32 percent from behind the arc. In the last four yeah. years, he's averaged 38 percent from behind the arc. Yeah. And he's also doing it with more shots from behind the arc. So that quantity plus the efficiency uh, is just it's just a great combination to have. And then throughout the course of his years, his assist numbers have kind of been steady throughout. But uh, it just seems like he's getting better at passing, even though his assist numbers aren't necessarily going up. Uh, you just see some crazy assists that he has throughout the course of this season, especially, um, which he's had the most assists this year since 13-14 in his career. Brian and Spencer, do you guys have anything to add about, you know, Kemba and just the the thing that has stood out to you guys the most about his career. There's so many different things you could talk about with how far he's come and you know the crossover obviously as you guys were talking about is you know example one a when you talk about Kemba Walker and, and who he is as a basketball player but you know, adding the three point shot and adding the sidestep and um, I mean how much better he's gotten at finishing at the rim how much better he's gotten at, at getting to the free throw line and you know. Being as small as he is, you know, sometimes the, the efficiency, you know, vacillates a little bit there. But, you know, he's a fearless guy. And, you know, Richie, you said it a minute ago. I mean, tonight, that's got to be – he's played a lot of great games this year, and that's probably why he's going to make All-NBA, at least third team. But tonight, I thought, was maybe his most complete performance of the season. So this seems pretty timely to be having this, uh, this podcast. But, uh, I mean, the accolades are, are all over the place for Kimba. Yeah, he's like you guys have said, he is kind of this he's kind of an ideal like workman's like superstar in a way. And it's been it's hard to think of a better star for not just the market in Charlotte, but like how the team is constructed around him, because all the skills, all the the ability to shoot from basically anywhere on the court to be a diet Steph Curry, to be a diet Dame Lillard out there. You know, he needs he needs that range. He needs the ability to create space at any point in time. But as we all know, you know, the lack of a number two star that's been around him his entire career in, in Charlotte, like I think a lot of guys would have made uh, they would have they would have complained about it. They would have used it as an excuse. They would have they would have, um, you know, gone at the, the franchise through the media or whatever. Maybe maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting a little bit there. But in, but Kemba hasn't done any of that. Um, the guy the guy puts his head down and. Christian, you know, he said, or he or someone else said this about him in, in your piece, like, all the guy cares about is winning. Uh -huh. Like, he doesn't, like, it, like, like, he knows that he has to put up numbers for Charlotte to win, but, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, he just wants a W, and that's why it's been, that's, A, that's, A, that's why he's been so much fun to have him in this market and stuff like that, but, B, why it's been frustrating that the team has ultimately lacked, you know, any sort of postseason success, because this guy feels like he's built we saw it at UConn, and you'd like to see it in the NBA, like a big postseason run. 100%.
And that, that kind of segues to my next point. You know, Brian, you're talking about the fact that, you know, Kimba's had to put up with the worst <laughs> team in the NBA's history uh, in terms of percentage points. And he doesn't complain. He doesn't complain. He wants to win. So he's been with this organization for eight seasons. And this summer, he's going to have the opportunity to test that market. Do you think Kimba will end up in Charlotte uh, and, and re-sign with the Hornets? Or do you think he'll go somewhere else and kind of test the waters a little bit? I think that depends on if you guys make the playoffs or not, to be honest. This is a guy who really, really wants to play some meaningful basketball. I think if you guys make the playoffs, he, he'll think about it. I think any other outcome and and he's gone. You know, I thought that uh, you guys really – well, I don't want to say you guys because it's not your team. Well, it's not – you're not – you know what I'm saying? But I think that uh, Charlotte really blew it by not going and getting Mark Gasol. I think they had a chance to get him. And obviously, you guys – I, I, it's tough when you look at the, the the cap sheet that you have in the roster and the pieces that you would have to send out, and nobody wants Nick Batum's contract. And you guys have a lot of what is that? Michael K. Giltress has a, has a pretty wild contract. You guys have a, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That, it, it's pretty ugly when you look at it. But and it's going to be even harder to move in the summer if you're not like coupling it with pieces with like draft picks, and and then you got Miles Bridges who's playing pretty well, but you don't want to trade him because he's a piece that you can build around. And then you got Malik Monk who. We don't know what he's going to be yet. My gut reaction tells me one way or another, I think he's going to end up leaving. Uh, it's just a matter of where is he going to go. Obviously, Charlotte has the, has can, can pay him more money than anybody else. But when I spoke to him, I spoke to him, and I spoke to uh, Coach Jim Calhoun. They both said the same thing. He doesn't care about money. This guy wants to win. And if he's not going to be able to win in Charlotte, I, I don't know if he's going to stick around. But there's one thing that I do know is that this guy loves the city of Charlotte. Like He endears as soon as he... he got drafted there he moved his whole family down everybody went down there he's been down there ever since uh he wants to stay there he wants to win there it's just a matter of if can charlotte get the players necessary to put around him um they couldn't get a trade for jimmy butler couldn't get a trade for Kawhi leonard couldn't even get a trade for mark Gasol. you know there are a lot of opportunities there and they, they hamstrung themselves with these contracts so if i was a betting man i'd bet kemba walker leaves the the question after that is where does he go yeah you know, and that's a question that, you know, we're, we're not really sure. Does he go to New York? Does he go to the Clippers? Does he go play with LeBron? Um, there's a couple possibilities uh, that are more attractive than Charlotte, unfortunately, right now. And it's sad because he really enjoys that city. Yeah, and that's kind of what we've always heard. He, he's enjoyed the city. He's spoken very highly of the city, the organization. And the one thing that Charlotte can offer compared to other organizations is money. But we've we've said this, like he doesn't necessarily care about the money per se, but more about the winning, and that's not the top selling point for Charlotte. It, it just isn't. It, it's the money. And so if you're trying to sell Kimba on, on coming back to this team, it's going to be hard to kind of compete with the other teams that have better rosters, better situations. And, you know, Kimba's kind of at the tail end of his career. He wants to go to a team that can compete and win, and Charlotte really's top selling point is just the money. Right. And then there's like the flip side of this coin for Charlotte is, do you want to commit five years, however many, 185, 200 million, whatever the number is, to Kemba Walker when he's going to be 28, going on 29, going on 30, paying him 40 something million dollars as a 32 year old point guard. And then you're not going to be able to bring more players to help him until he's 30 because you have contracts that you can't move. Or do you want to let him walk? And build around whatever you're gonna, whoever you're gonna draft. You're probably not gonna be that good next year without Kemba Walker. So now your 2020 draft pick is looking pretty attractive, and now you can rebuild the right way. It's, it's, I, you know, I think it's, it's kind of like it's, it's when you're in a relationship with somebody and you kind, of, you guys kind of both realize it's time to, to, to go the opposite way. 
if they're at that point now, or they will be at that point, especially if they don't make the playoffs. I think they're going to be at that point where they're like, all right, you know, I think that I will be better off if you leave, and you'll probably be better off yourself if you leave. So let's hug, let's 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 get it on one more time and get up out of here. Yeah, your points are are good ones, Christian. We've talked it, and we've talked these scenarios to the point of exhaustion at this point on this podcast. I, I think that one of the the things that we've said is the trade deadline was interesting. Looked like Charlotte was in the lead for Marcus All, didn't get Marcus All. You know, I think what we've all kind of discussed, and I, and I think we agree on, you know, Richie, Brian, and I is, you know, how much would Marcus All have really moved the needle for this team? I think the opinions would 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 vary there, but. I think if you're Kimball Walker and you you love Charlotte as much as you do and you are entertaining the at least the idea of staying and have been pretty consistent with that verbiage the whole way, I know he's a smart guy. You know he's a smart guy. Does does making the playoffs and finishing you know 41 and 41 rather than 39 and 43 or or whatever the number is, do those one or two or three games? to get swept by Milwaukee or Toronto? Do you, do, so you really think that that hinges on his overall decision? Because I would think, to me, I, I would think that Kim was just a little bit smarter than that. I would say, look, if I'm staying in Charlotte, I'm staying in Charlotte because I'm playing the long game. And I understand that we really can't get better until we get off Nick Batum's contract. Or You mentioned all the bad contracts, too. But yeah. that that's where I had to take a step back and be like, is it does it really boil down to making the playoffs or not? And maybe it does. I mean, maybe it's just he wants to win that much. One game means that much to him. Uh, he, he Maybe that's it. But that would be a little bit surprising to me, I think, at this I, point. I definitely hear you on that. One point on the uh, when you when you brought up the Marcus All thing, uh, moving the needle, I think it, it more so moves the needle in perception of yeah. front office trying to help, you know, yeah. if, you, if your team goes and gets Marcus Gasol, you're like, okay, well, we're trying. You know what I'm saying? We're trying to put some winners around you. Doing nothing whatsoever is not trying at all. On the other side of that, you know, making the playoffs, I mean, that's an, that's, an, that's also an interesting point. I think it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt, obviously, to make the playoffs. Sure, sure. Uh, I'm not sure if, it, if it's the, the end-all, be-all of, okay, we're going to make the playoffs and, and we're going to stay. I think ultimately Kemba might decide to stay based on – what the vision of this front office is. You know, I think that's what they need to figure out. Is there a yeah. way to get a star? Probably not. And that's what it's going to boil down to. This guy wants to play with somebody who maybe is better than him or at least on the same level as him. If he's not going to be able to do that and it's not looking like he's going to be able to do that in Charlotte, then I don't know if he stays. But at the same time, Kemba isn't like any of these other guys that you can compare him to. He's not. He's nothing like Jimmy Butler. You know, he's nothing like all these other guys. He's nothing like Anthony Davis, who's sitting out games and, and trying to force his way to somewhere. He's he's content with things that most people aren't content with. So, uh, you know, I, I can't put anything past him, but I wouldn't be surprised if he if he. And, 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 and I think you make the the exact and the perfect point. And really, what I think everyone should be focused on here is. You know, you said the front office and Kemba Walker, they got to figure out how to get on the same page about what the plan is. If they can do that, I think there can be a future together. But that's got to be happening right like right now. Right, Christian? Like while they're playing games, that communication has got to be going on. No one knows if it is or not. But, yeah, it certainly is. As a Charlotte basketball fan, I, I hope it is uh, because that's really the only way. Playoffs or not, it's the only way that they can feel comfortable going forward with this marriage. Yeah, even if it's not going on right now, the minute this season is over, they need to have that conversation. Like, hey, these are the guys who right. are looking at. These are the guys that we're going to target. This is how we're going to go get them. If we can get them, we want you to stay. If we can't get them, we understand that there's nothing that we can do. But that, that dialogue has to be open. And, and part of me believes it is just because 
him and Michael Jordan seem to have some type of connection. I didn't get the chance to talk to him about his relationship with MJ, but it seems like they have some type of, of connection. I think that that dialogue is open. I think it's going to need to be a lot more transparent once the season is over because he's going to be out of there if they don't do something. I would have been curious to know, too, just like what Kemba's involvement was with discussions around the trade deadline, too. Like, why couldn't Mitch and Mike pull him aside and be like, hey, you know, Kemba, look, man, you know, we can't get Memphis to budge off this you know, protected first round pick or we can't get these protections or whatever. Like, you know, we're trying for you, but we're also looking that, hey, if you stay with us here, like we might want this first round pick or we might want Malik Monk to be a part of it. And I. I'd be curious to know just how much, you know, he, you know, was he just being left alone to play basketball or, or how much, again, if you're, if you're considering this guy to be a part of the future of your franchise and he might be a $221 million investment in an asset for your team, I'd like to think that he has, has to have some sort of say or idea or what kind of uh, some inkling of what's going on. But yeah, this will become the choice. This will become a bit of a Sophie's choice, like for Kemba and the Hornets this summer, because while the money may not make, um, you know, like like a big difference, you know what I mean, to him, and we can we can say that, and and I think it speaks true with Kemba. He hasn't complained once about being woefully underpaid the last four years of this of the yeah. second the second contract. But like, if he makes All NBA, which it seems like he's gonna probably do, the difference in money between that contract, which again, for most teams that have signed one of their own players to the super max, you think of. John Wall in D.C., that hasn't really worked out so well. Like, yeah. But the difference in between that dollar amount and what he could get from another NBA team is like $80 million. That's a lot of um, money. It's a lot of money. And for a guy that has been underpaid, um, I think we can all agree on that, the last four years. 100%. I do I do wonder if, yes, it, we agree it is not all about the money with this guy. And this guy wants to win games. That's a lot. That's a lot. That, like that. That is the hammer that the Hornets have. Whether it's good for the long term sustainability of the franchise or not, that at least in the summer of 2019 is the hammer they can always play with. Yeah, it's true, but but at the same time, you have to think. Of, there's a precedent of guys turning that type of money down. Anthony Davis isn't going to totally. take. Uh, Paul George didn't take it. Paul George got traded and then somehow signed for less. I think he signed four years, 140 million, when he could have had a lot more. Um, and then Kemba's over there. He says that he doesn't really care about money, but I mean, he won't. We won't know how much he cares until he decides where he wants to go. Um, I had something else along my. Oh yeah, speaking of um, his involvement with the the front office, I don't know if he had any input on the trade deadline. I do know that he went on the jump. He went on the jump with Rachel Nichols, and he said, "Hey, you know." They know, he said, when they asked, when when she, I think Rachel asked him, hey, what is it that, that you want? You know, he said, hey, the front office knows. They just have to, they just have to get it done. And it, that didn't sound like a money thing. That sounded like what he told me. He told me that they, that he wants to play with some winners and he wants Charlotte to get some winners. So if, if that's the message to, to Charlotte's front office and they can find a way to do that, I think they make it work. So uh, it would be, it would be great if he got a chance to stay because we don't see that many stars get drafted by teams and then stay with that team. You know, I think the last one we can remember is Kobe. Before that, we don't really know. Maybe Dirk. Dirk's obviously another one, but those those types of guys are rare. Um, for Kemba to be drafted there and then stay there and then have a great career, then ultimately maybe win there, would be an amazing story given where he's come from. All right, last question before we let you go, Christian. So we're, we're talking about the Supermax, and, and for Kemba to earn or be eligible for the Supermax, he could be the MV, NBA MVP. That ain't happening. He could be the Defensive Player of the Year. That ain't happening. But he mm-hmm. can be on the All-NBA team in his most recent season before his contract runs out. 
And right. let's just discuss just the guards, guys. Just the guards for the All NBA teams. Can we can we all agree that Curry and Harden first team All NBA? Sure. Yep. Yes. yes. No okay. doubt. So now no doubt. now we're down to four more guard positions. So the second team and third team are left. I think that we can also say maybe Dame is going to be on there, and then no yep. doubt. and then start the there. conversation starts with Westbrook and Kyrie and Ben Simmons and Bradley Beal, oh. and then also. Campbell Walker. Yeah, I think people who've been watching the NBA pretty closely know Kyrie and, and Russell Westbrook are not having their best seasons. You know, Russell Westbrook is having an awful shooting season, but he's also right. averaging a triple-double, which doesn't make sense. It, it, it really doesn't. Third and then Kyrie is, having, Kyrie is having a, a very rocky season. We don't know where he's going to be next year. And then he's also mouthing off in the media. When you talk about an all-NBA type of guy and someone who's, who's kind of honed their game and someone who's just like your prototypical type of star, Kemba's the guy that you want, and I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to end up in one of those either second, if not second team, definitely third team. I don't think there's anyone that you could put above. I don't think you put Ben Simmons in front of Kemba Walker. That does that just doesn't make sense to yeah. me. Um, and I, off off the top of my head, I can't think of any more guards that you put ahead. Of him. You don't put Clay Thompson ahead of him. No. Uh, you don't put who else? Who else was in the Eastern Conference? Also, you don't put Dan. Uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell, you don't put Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry's Kyle Lowry having a good season, but you don't play him in front of Kimber Walker. Yeah, no, that's I can't really think of that many guys you put over Kimber Walker this year. And that's crazy because not too long ago he couldn't shoot a three, and now he's an all-star starter, and uh, it's amazing. Injuries have played a big role here too, right? Like Oladipo going down, then Wall goes down, which is going to probably inflate Beal's value too. So it's just it's interesting. You know, Chris Paul missed a bunch of games for Houston, and he's been great recently, but he missed too much too much time probably. Yeah. And so it's it is interesting to see how and those are guys that are you know all in parts of their career have been all NBA guys, and mm. yeah, like that. It's sort of interesting how that how the ripple effect of that of John Wall getting injured, Oladipo taking having a severe injury, Chris Paul getting hurt again, like. That could the downstream effect could be the Hornets, <laughs> you know, being tasked with paying Kemba Walker two hundred twenty million dollars too. It's, I mean, the, the NBA is crazy how the everything is interconnected. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, I, I to be honest, I think if the, if the Hornets had a plan, hey, we don't want to give you two hundred twenty one million dollars because we want to go after this guy. Can you take a little bit less? I think he he says that. I think he'll do it if they have a concrete plan to do so. Maybe it's incentive. Maybe okay, if we don't get this guy, then we add more. I don't know how how those how that situation works, but um, I can definitely see Kim Walker taking a pick, but if it means getting a star or a third star in there, um, because two years or well, the year after next, I believe that cap space is open. Yeah, right. I mean, you guys are yeah. a lot of, make a lot of moves. Not a great free agency class as of right now, but yeah, like that is theory. in theory, that's when the Hornets should finally loosen up and you know, no Bismack Biombo, no Marvin Williams. That's assuming they don't like stretch Biz this summer to do uh, other stuff as well. That would not be a, a wise decision to add anymore. Yeah, yeah no, uh, agreed. Yeah. But it's like if they wanted to bring back Kemba and Lamb, that's like one way they could like if you squint hard enough, they could maybe do it. But. Yeah. Probably yeah. not. Probably not uh, worth it or in the cards. Yeah, I hear that. No, yeah. Th- I mean, this is a huge all NBA season for the media. The the ones that have the votes. This is going to impact the course of of certain franchises for years to come. So, you know, it, it's going to be close with these cards. I think Kim is in as of today, but honestly, um, there's a lot left to play for throughout the league between Kimba, Beal, Irving, Westbrook. Um, 
and I'm leaving one more name out there. I mean, I think there's like four spots for those five guys. And I, like I said, I think Kim is in right now, but that, you know, that can change uh, within the course of a few nights here. So I sense I among most media guys that I've been able to speak about, that I've been able to talk to, uh, when I was in Philly, there was a lot of media there for for Kemba's game there, and uh, he, he not not only did he go off, he he I mean they lost, but he, he earned the respect <laughs> of a lot of of uh, media members that night. And got people more more often than not, game recognizes game. People understand that Kemba's an All NBA player. Um, I think with the exception of a, maybe maybe Celtics media will vote for Kyrie over over Kemba. Yeah. But I think for the most part. A lot of guys recognize that Kemba's having an All-NBA season, and they know that, you know, we're, we're not stupid. We know All-NBA votes count towards your contract, and most guys know Kemba's ridiculous paid, so I'm pretty sure he'll be in. I would be surprised. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't an All-NBA player. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Christian, for uh, taking time out of your busy day to join us. Um, go ahead and give the Twitter handle one more time to our listeners before you go. Yes, yes. You can find me at SBNation.com slash NBA. Uh, especially if you're into to just random NBA fun stuff like guys who eat random things for food and whatnot. But um, yeah, twitter.com slash Chris Splash. That's K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. Or if you just type in Christian Winfield with a K, my name will pop up. All right, after the break, we'll get to the Hornets win over the Spurs. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family, and in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S. Getethos.com. Getethos.com. All right, so that was uh, our guest, Christian. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and talk about the game that we just witnessed. The Charlotte Hornets beat the San Antonio Spurs for their fourth straight win. They're giving fans a little bit of hope, teasing us uh, that they could potentially make the playoffs. You know, it's going to come down to those last games. I really feel like that's going to be the case. And seems like, you know, the Hornets are starting to play these younger players and things are starting to click. People are playing loose uh, and they're picking up these victories. Again, the final score was 125-116. It went into overtime. Uh, There's so many things that we can talk about. The young players are obviously uh, putting in the work, playing well. Bridges, Bacon had an amazing game. And then obviously Kimball Walker, very fitting that we're talking about him to start this episode. But uh he killed it in overtime, scoring 11 points, outscoring the Spurs, who only scored 10. So you guys can lead this off and talk about anything that you guys would like. But, I mean, this game was you – you can just go anywhere. You can. I, I just want to start with Dwayne – well, you can start with Kimball Walker or Dwayne Bacon. But I want, to start, <laughs> I want to start with Dwayne Bacon because this is the most unexpected, like, late-season development that I can remember, certainly for this franchise, but – it, it, you know, it, it's it's up there with like the Bruno Caboclo uh, Memphis development right? <laughs> at the end of the year. Like in terms of just like what in the hell is going on? Like where did this come from? Um, a guy that spent, you know, the majority of his career with 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 our G League affiliate in Greensboro, 
put up pretty good numbers there, but has never come up to the NBA for a significant amount of time and really shown or proven that he can be a rotational player. And all of a sudden here in the last, you know, 10 games or so, Dwayne Bacon looks like a a real NBA player. Career night for him tonight with 24 points. He's shooting the three at the high level. He's getting to the bucket at a high level. He's getting to the foul line. He's contributing defensively. He rebounds the basketball. Um, You know, he's fitting into these these smaller James Brago defensive lineups as a little bit of a jackknife, if you will. Uh, very versatile. I, I am so I, I can't remember the last time, seriously, that I was this happy about the development of a player for Charlotte because, I mean, this is it's not a huge pivot looking over the next two or three seasons for Charlotte. But when you consider Miles Bridges, Devontae Graham, you know, if Monk can wake up a little bit, I mean, this here's another young player on a roster that's void of, of, or has been traditionally void of those guys on a cheap contract that is now producing at an extremely high level recently. Now, is it, is it an outlier? You know, certainly can be. It's a small sample size. But he's done this against great competition. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, I mean, you just really can't say enough about what Dwayne Bacon has brought to this team. Just a jolt of athleticism and versatility and uh, – and look, he's done it in the place of, of an absent Nick Batum, and I, I wouldn't say that uh, that's uh, coincidental. <laughs> yeah, I mean, his his willingness to attack a closeout is really refreshing on this team. It really yeah. is. To to um to pump and be willing to put it on the deck hard and go all the way to the rim. That's just something you just don't – you know, a lot of the wings on this team, even, even second-side offensive weapons like Lamb, who's pretty good, like even he doesn't – you know, like he wants to like – you know, get to his little floater game and, and use that wingspan of his and, you know, like that. Or even he's more, probably more comfortable coming off a handoff from the corner and, and going, you know, right to left as opposed to just, like, attacking a straight closeout. And that's what Bacon, you know, like, he, that's what this guy does. And you just, you look at some of his box scores the last, like Spencer said, last 10 games, and it's like, it's just wild. Like, the, the Philadelphia game the other week, 11 free throw attempts in that game. Tonight versus San Antonio, game high, plus 15 uh, four seven on threes. The Toronto game five of eight shooting on three. Seven of fourteen from the court. He's twenty points in that game. Twenty four points tonight. The Boston game uh, on Saturday twenty or plus minus of twenty. Uh, four of ten shooting. Eleven points. Four free throw attempts. Like we've talked all season about how Batum's sort of the his inability to get to the free throw line. He's basically been hovering right under, right at one free throw attempt per game. Well, like. I just listed off every box score Dwayne has the last couple of games, and it's four free throw attempts, two, four, two, 11, zero, three, two. Like he, he's given them the three point shot. That seems like a little bit of an aberration, right? Yeah. Like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like guys, unfortunately, I don't think Dwayne Bacon's going to shoot 59% on threes for the rest of the season. It'd be really cool if he would, but it's the ability and the willingness to attack on that. And even tonight too, three steals and a block, like four stocks in this game too. Like, he was just outstanding. And when they subbed him back in for Devontae Graham with like the two or three minute mark in the fourth quarter, it made a big difference carrying them home. And then, I mean, hell, the, the, the dribble up three, the pull up three that he hit late in the game was just, I, I mean, they, that was one of those moments where like you see with the Hornets when they get in these tight games and they need one other person to make a play. It's been Tony Parker a couple times this year. Usually it's nobody and they lose. 
And Dwayne Bacon dribbles up into a pull-up three and drills it. It was just awesome to see. Yeah, it was one of those things where I was like at the TV, he's like, please drive, take him off the dribble, and then he just pulls up in his face to, to make the three. He hit, he hit <laughs> like three difficult threes in this game. He had that yeah. one, and then in the first half, like basically two identical threes where he did like a sidestep in the corner. The sidestep, yeah. Yep, pump fake yep. sidestep, and hits the. it's basically identical three. Like it was basically in the same spot. But you're right, Brian, in terms of attacking the rim. I don't think it necessarily was in his game too much last season. Uh, he did settle a lot in the mid-range. I think it kind of over the summer and then obviously this year, he's getting and attacking the rim a whole lot more. Um, and he, he's finishing around the rim at a, at a high rate. And like you said, he's getting his hands in the passing lane as well, uh, getting those, those steals. He had this one defensive possession where he actually was guarding DeRozan in the post. Uh, he forces a miss. The offensive rebound came with LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, and then LaMarcus Aldridge tries to pass the ball out. He steals it, splits the defenders, and takes it all the way coast to coast. So just these things that you're seeing out of Bacon is just is just awesome to see, especially late in the season. And I kind of tweeted this out. I kind of was doing it for more of a reaction more than anything. As of now, do you guys have more hope in Bacon or Monk? I, I mean, I, I don't know how you couldn't say Bacon right now. I mean, look, I, I understand we picked Monk as high as we did, and you know, he was deemed the next savior of Charlotte basketball or whatever. But, like, at this point in time, Bacon is the much more comfortable NBA player on the floor. There's no question yes. about that. Yeah. And, that's, and that's really what my favorite part of Dwayne Bacon's game is. You can't speed him up. You can't. The guys, he knows where he wants to get. He knows where his sweet spots are. He's a, He already has very polished – moves i would say we talked about it the sidestep three is that's a move it takes guys four five six years to learn in this league and i mean and he's doing it with regularity right now at least mm-hmm. attempting it they're not always going in but man that guy's got a really smooth game and he's comfortable out there and defensively i'm proud of his progression and a little surprised to be honest especially since i've watched him play here here in the month of march but look at this point it's got to be Dwayne Bacon. All right. I mean, Malik Monk might be, might have the higher ceiling, blah, 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 whatever. Dwayne Bacon's a better NBA player right now, period. Yeah, right right now, and, and no, no doubt. And it's a funny time to even broach the subject because everyone's just snorting and high on Dwayne Bacon after, after what he's just did the last couple of weeks here. It is important to remember he's two and a half years older than Malik Monk. Like, he'll turn 24 in August. Malik Monk turned 21 in um and back in February, so he's 30 months older than Malik Monk. So that 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 is part of it. But yeah, look, that outside of that, right now, man, like the poise, the simplicity and the poise of his game offensively is really nice so far this season. 42% of his shots have been at the rim. That's a good number. 25% of his attempts have been from three. That's not huge, but put that together and you've got 67, 68% of his shots are threes are at the rim with 12% of his field goal attempts coming from the corners. Like you're, you're seeing the framework of like a nice second side player. Um, and yeah, no, like right now, again, he'll have to come back to earth at some point with a three point shooting, but it's the other stuff that you guys talked about the defense, the rebounding, the willingness to attack, like that's big. And that's the kind of stuff that Charlotte needs more of alongside Kemba Walker. He's not afraid of the moment. And look, man, kudos to the Hornets in 2017 for drafting this guy, for getting his rights, right? Like you're signing him to a three-year I know that, that third year is an option, but th- a three-year contract so you get his bird rights and, you know, potentially. 
And um, nah, man, it's it's been fun. He's had two little because he had a moment back at like in, around the holidays last year too, the same season, but last year where he perked up for a couple of games. And I look, I think it's probably a credit to Bacon, the coaching staff, and as those guys said during the broadcast too, like the fact that the Greensboro G League affiliate isn't like a joke anymore, right? Like that they're yeah. taking serious. Like it's it's important to your franchise. It's an asset, and I think the fact that. Devontae Graham and Dwayne Bacon are coming in and playing big minutes this late in the season when the Hornets, you know, maybe the odds are not great for them making the playoffs, but when they when they need these guys, they're ready to play. And I think that's a testament to um, the Hornets for the first time ever, literally ever, taking the G League affiliate seriously. Great. It's, it's an awesome point. And it, it, it points to – you know, what kind of asset that is and, and how far it's come since it started. But, you know, what a refreshing thing to happen for this franchise and its fans as you pretty much stare at the reality of Jeremy Lamb signing elsewhere this yeah. summer. To right. have Dwayne Bacon, you know, who two weeks ago, three weeks ago, nobody would have thought, oh, it's fine. Yeah, we got Dwayne Bacon who's going to just gobble up those minutes next year. Nobody was thinking that. And here we are. Uh, thinking, yeah, we're going to talk a long-term contract with this guy uh, the summer after next. So it, yeah. it's awesome. Good for Dwayne Bacon. Good for the Hornets organization developing this kid. It, it really could pay some dividends. Yeah, Spencer, do you know off the top of your head what the trigger date is for for the uh, the Bacon option next year? Do you remember by any chance? Yeah, it's uh, it's August the first. August the first. August the first trigger date for Bacon. Kind of nice. Year, it's like, 2019. Yeah, yeah, it's like a month after you know you start a free agency. That's kind of nice, and that option would be uh, for about 1.62 million dollars for next season. So you know, yep. that would be a pretty nice. And again, if he could be 80 to 90 percent, you know, 80, 70 to 80, 75 to 80 percent of what you're seeing right now constantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be a nice bargain thing to have coming off the bench, helping a second-unit offense, too. Well, you know, and here's the other thing about Dwayne Bacon is that you got to assume he's gonna his role's going to take a serious uptick next season if he continues to develop and show some signs of being a real NBA player, which I think he can. I think he will. You know, when Charlotte has Biombo come off the books, MKG come off the books, uh, gosh, Parker – yeah, um, Marvin. Who else? With Marvin. Yeah, Marvin. Uh, Hernan Gomez potentially. That's going to be a big summer for them. And then, so when they're talking turkey with Dwayne Bacon to bring him back on some kind of deal, you know, they got his full bird rights with which Brian brought up, and his qualifying offer is about two million dollars. So his cap hold is going to be so small yeah. that summer. It's that is asset. also it's also a huge asset for Charlotte to go it's ahead and take, to take care of business elsewhere and come back to Bacon in the end. And fill out the roster. It's uh, it's those smart NBA moves uh, that you see guys, you know, see these deals happen on second round picks often, and they ended up paying off. And then it's that cap hold in their free agent summer that you really look at, and you're like, man, that is it. That is a big time asset this summer because we have cap space to use. In, in general, too, it's not just bacon. It's been awesome to see. I, I mean, I know Malik has still been, you know, he's. <laughs> he's still a lost puppy out there sometimes, but he's hit some corner threes. And I think the offense is actually, you know, they've been, they've been trying to work him and get him some looks from the corners more the last couple of games. Cause his, his volume from there was way, way down compared to his above the break numbers. But that said, all the other young guys, it's been really cool to see bridges has seemed to, again, small sample size alert, but he's been great the last couple of games. And 
Offensively, he was huge to start tonight. And then defensively, he made some big plays down the stretch, including a block on DeRozan that he recovered from being down on the ground earlier in the possession and got back and blocked a shot at the hoop, which was awesome. Um, Devontae Graham's been good. We mentioned him earlier, too. And just it's been the irony in it seemed like the Hornets were sort of resigning themselves to the fate, which, hell, I know I was certainly all in on them doing, and now I'm having mixed feelings, obviously. Like, I think a lot of people probably are. Um, that they started playing the young guys, and now the team is fast and athletic, and there's more playmakers out on the court. And, like, you could just see what Kemba could do when – say what you will about Frank Kaminsky, but playing, playing a stretch five with Kemba and multiple playmakers out there, whether it be Devontae Graham or Dwayne Bacon or – or Miles Bridges at the three or at the four, it's like, oh, my God. Like, they look like a – man, they look like an actual, like, NBA franchise should, yeah. should look. Well, I, I'd, love, I'd love to see what what Cody Zeller would look like with all the young guys flying around, too, to be honest with you now. And these are against playoff teams, too. Yep. 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 And, and then counteract, you know, playing Kaminsky big minutes, I've been very impressed with Beret. Well, Brego's been trying creative stuff all year. We've talked about this, but now that he's younger, he's athletic, he's quicker, he's faster. There's just more energy on the floor. You know, he's able to do things like a one-two-two full, literally a full court. You know, pretty much a trapping press that goes back into a two-three. And and the Hornets really are. I mean, they showed it to San Antonio. I don't know off the top of my head three or four times tonight, and it was very very effective. At least a few turnovers. But the point is. When you have a guy like Frank on your back line, if you could do something creative to not allow an offense to really get into their set until there's 14, 15 seconds left on the shot clock, all right, now you got something. Now we're playing faster. Now we're letting our guys be athletes, getting to passing lanes, grab and go. I mean, that opens the game up for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, Kimball Walker, because you know now they're getting stops with a lineup that should have defensive deficiencies could be better offensively, but it's allowing guys like Miles Bridges, Jeremy Lamb, Dwayne Bacon to grab the ball off the glass, you know, with an offense that's been scrambling and go. And we've seen that constantly here in the past five games with this team. Real quickly, the Hornets in the past five games, four and one, trying to save their season here, have had issues with turnovers most of the season. Number one in the NBA, 2.95 assists to turnover ratio in the last five games, huh. uh, which made me raise my eyebrow a little bit. Net net rating in these last four games or last five games, obviously against what ha- at least half playoff teams, uh, plus four. It's number eight in the NBA. This is with a young group. Mm-hmm. Look, it is a small sample size, but these are not empty numbers. I I, I would never consider this stuff. To to be empty calories. If they would play Cleveland three times and uh, Phoenix twice, of course we would be looking at this differently. But they're getting wins on the road. They're getting wins against teams that have been talked about maybe making the NBA Finals. They get a win tonight against the San Antonio team that's arguably the hottest in the league. Like, this is real stuff. That Toronto was at full health Sunday night, too. Lowry, Lowry played. Kawhi played. Gasol's like integrated now. Like they were at full strength. You know what I mean? And the Hornets. I know they won on a miracle. Like <laughs> the lamb shot is is something. Is really is just you know an act of God. But they played. They hung. I mean they they were in control of that game for large stretches too. Like they deserved that. That wasn't like a slop win. You know what I mean? Like they played hard. They played well. Yes, the last possession was fortunate. Very fortunate. But like they, that was a real win on the road on the second night of a back-to-back against 
I don't know, one of the three or four best basketball teams in the world, you know, the at full at yeah. with their full complement of players. It, it was impressive. Yeah, this just it just looks like a group that it, instead of for what most of the season seemed like a group of guys that was reacting behind the play to, to now looking like a team that's reacting with the play or reacting before the play happens. I mean, that sometimes basketball can be boiled down to something that simple. How quickly are you reacting? What's going on around you? And this group, this young athletic group, surprisingly, is reacting above the play most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, watching a bunch of these old guys, you know, and Nick Batum, who constantly, to me, seems like he's reacting behind the play. Look, I'm not trying to hang Nick Batum out to drive here, but there's, there is a very, very clear difference in what we're seeing on the floor now and what we had for most of the season. And I do not believe that's a coincidence. I'm sorry. Yeah, I wouldn't say so either. And uh, Tony Parker was available to play tonight, and he didn't get any minutes. He got a DNP. So Borrego going with Devontae over Parker. I was actually a little bit scared that uh, Parker was going to be able to play tonight and Borrego would play him. So they're playing the hot hand, which happens to be the young guys. And Spencer, like you said, they are playing ahead of the play. Be outside of like the second quarter uh, on defense uh, at, at spurts, but for the most part, they played pretty well on the defensive end. They were they were putting in effort, scrambling, yes, a little bit, but uh, they were making they were making the Spurs work. So the Hornets again won this one, one twenty five, one sixteen, to boost their record to thirty five and thirty nine, and also tonight. The Magic beat the Heat, which actually helps out the Hornets in terms of kind of closing that gap between the Hornets and the Heat. The Heat are at 36 and 37. The Magic are 36 and 38. And then the Hornets are 35 and 39. So they're a game and a half back from the eighth seed, two games back in the loss column. And then the Hornets right now currently have a four-game road trip, which they're going to be playing the Lakers, the Warriors, Utah, and the Pelicans, so it's going to be tough. I mean, to split them, I could see it very well happening, but, uh, you know, four games on the road is always tough for this team. Um, Any parting thoughts before we wrap this episode? Just since we talked about Kemba with Christian earlier in the episode and and then we we, we sort of talked about the Hornets' hot streak, you know, he didn't play great in the Toronto game, but let's just let real quickly, the San Antonio box scores of Kemba's is worth looking at again. 14 of 31 lived at the rim, just two of eight on threes, but eight of 11 from the free throw line, 11 assists, nine rebounds, just two turnovers in the, in the fourth quarter in overtime, Kemba plays 14 minutes, Hornets score 1.3 points per possession with him on the court. in that time, Kemba 50% usage rate in overtime and uh, the fourth quarter assist rate of 75%. Effective shooting, 71.4. And a defensive rebound rate in those minutes in overtime in the fourth quarter for just Kemba of 22.2. Uh, like, he was everywhere. Um, and, man, it was it was just another, another charmed performance from him tonight. Yeah, I thought when he snagged that last rebound, I thought that was his 10th rebound to get that triple-double, but it wasn't. So, uh, yeah, I, I was like, yeah. is it 10? Is it 10? But anyway, um, thanks again for joining us for Episode 96 of BuzzBeat. Uh, we'd also like to thank Christian Winfield for joining us. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at BuzzBeatPod, uh, and be sure to give us a rating and review, preferably a five-star rating on iTunes. Uh, And I hope you guys uh, have a good one and we'll see you guys next time.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.